one. And welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Casanova Podcast. I'm your host, Mikhail Casanova. I have the honor of having the one and only, the history behind the warrior, HBTW. Welcome to the show, man. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on here. It's really, really cool. I don't get to do these too often, so it's really, really nice. Yeah, man, it's it's such an honor. Like I, I, I know we were talking before we went live. Like I said, I've been a fan of your channel for three years now. Congratulations on oh, being on you. YouTube for three years. And also, <laughs> you're on the road to 200,000 subscribers, man. Amazing. Yeah, it's weird. It's really weird. Um, I think I'm like 7,000, 6,000 off now. It's, it's getting yeah. a bit crazy ever since I got back to like Mortal Kombat. Like, people have been coming back, and I'm like, it, it's good to come back home. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. So um go ahead, like uh tell people about your channel, um, where they can find you as well. Uh yeah, sure. Um basically for those of you who are kind of unfamiliar with who I am and what I do, uh like I said, I'm History Behind the Warrior. I'm a fighting game channel that basically talks I'm like a somewhat fictional documentary channel that talks about characters from different fighting games. I bring up their lore, their history, their backstory, their motivations, what kind of propels them to like that next level of like understanding the narrative of a certain individual. So if you are interested in that, go check me out on YouTube, which is hate history behind the warrior. If you're interested in actually seeing me doing some gameplay, I promise I'll probably like stream sometime soon. It's HB the warrior, HBT warrior. Uh, you can find me on Twitter with the same account name as well if you are interested in my stuff. But um, yeah, that pretty much does sum up everything I do. Apparently, I've been doing it for like three years. Haven't been doing it well, but I've been doing it consistently at least. I, I disagree. You've been doing it fantastically <laughs> well, man. Like, love your content. Perfect <laughs> way. Perfect way. If you guys are interested in learning any of the lore of the characters. Definitely go and subscribe to his channel. Watch his videos. Links for his channel and his Twitter are in the, the description below. So definitely go give him a subscribe. And ding the notification bell because his, YouTube has been playing some games lately. Where Lately? He, um, I don't know. <laughs> lately. Quite, quite a while. Quite a while. Out. I, I've noticed like within the last year, if I upload a video, um, a lot of my subscribers aren't getting any type of notification. I think they admit it to that, too. Recently. Oh yeah, no, it's it's quite it's really bad as well because they basically um they said just because you subscribe to someone doesn't necessarily mean you always want their video to turn up in your sub box. I'm just kind of like, isn't that the whole purpose of subscribing to someone in the first place? That way, you know, you're subscribed and you see this stuff. Like, nah, you got to ring a bell. We got to make it that extra step more difficult. Reasons. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Like, yeah, it doesn't matter that, you know, you're subscribed to somebody. Make sure you ding the bell and maybe you might get notified of new video content. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so backwards. It's so backwards right now. Oh, man, it's, 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 it's truly a struggle. Um, I've had a lot of people message me and, and, and tweet to me on Twitter, Facebook, and they're like, how come you're not making any more videos? Like, uh, where's your new content? Like, I've had this happen for the last four months. And I'm like, I am. They're like, oh, I, I haven't gotten anything. I was like, yeah, this it's YouTube. <laughs> so I wouldn't say it's like super, super bad because Adpocalypse was super, super bad. 
yeah. right now it's just it's in a state of like where it's just really inconvenient and it's really kind of stupid i'd say the nicest way i'd probably say it's just really stupid and inconvenient yeah i agree definitely man um i guess i want to go ahead and ask you a couple questions uh, like i typically do on the casting of a podcast i have guests on um i want to ask you what has been your experience being a content creator on youtube barring the whole notification issues we've been having um, and what have been some of your ups and downs that you've experienced in your YouTube journey? Mm. Well, um, as for YouTube as a whole, I'm always going to appreciate the platform for what it did because it has, it basically brought a somewhat childhood dream to come true. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely done a lot of good there. But in saying that as well, it's... I can't help but feel like the platform from when I started to where it is now has definitely changed a lot. And that's because obviously they're kind of moving to this whole somewhat more adult friendly kind of content, which I do understand. But the problem is, is that um, they get they get very kind of monetization happy with stuff. Yeah. And if I throw, if I make a video after like 11 hours, I want to just throw it out there without a snubber worrying like no worry in my mind like cool i'm get paid i made a video the hope hopefully people will like it and you know they'll watch it and stuff but now i have to worry about 12 hours oh god is youtube gonna demonetize me are they gonna only have certain ads pop up and stuff like that yeah. it, it it became like another wall of just inconvenience and on top of that the adpocalypse which happened in April last year, was terrible. Absolutely terrible. I remember for one month, I got paid about £400 when I should have made three and a half grand. Mm-hmm. And that was when um, I got my hands in Injustice 2 really early at Axis event uh, via Ketchup and Mustard shout-outs to them. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> really, like, in a... Sp- was it in like 12 hours my dark side super video got like 150k views which is unheard of on my channel wow and all of that all of that money went down the toilet because of the apocalypse all of that money like i basically made no money that month and i just i didn't even i wasn't even able to like pay my rent properly so i paid for my rent and the money I had to live off from that month was basically nothing. It was lucky the last two months before I actually made a significant pay. So I was luckily prepared for that terrible, like, month and a half. Yeah. But, man, it was rough. It was really bad. Wow. Like, now it's obviously recovered. Yeah. But it was really, really substantial. Luckily, um, I'm in a living situation where... I don't have to worry about paying for a lot of money, but £400 is not a lot of money considering half of that actually goes towards my like living establishment. So that's like £200 I have to live off a month, essentially. Oh, wow. That's, that's insane. I mean, I, I, I'll be honest, I don't really make probably anything more than like 10 to $12 a month on YouTube. <laughs> um, but I also don't have the, as big of an audience. Like I only have about 2,300 subscribers. I've only been at YouTube for like a year. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of interesting. A lot of people tell me that 
to be in it for a year and to reach 2000 subscribers, like that's a bit of a milestone. I'm like, really? Cause I see other channels that start off and within about a couple months, they've got a couple thousand, like 30, 40 some thousand mm-hmm. subscribers. So I'm like, I don't know what the spectrum is, but I just know that um, definitely with the adpocalypse, like the little I do make, I made nothing for several months, like at all. Like your content is not viewer friendly. I'm like, all I'm doing is unboxing, reviewing games and tech. Like, it's so (laughs) bad because you know, the second you get that yellow money symbol, you're just kind of like, well, can't say I didn't try. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very true. So bad. Like, I understand them, them flagging some of my stuff now because i've doubled into another arena like i I still do let's plays and game reviews like for the fact that i do work with a lot of the gaming companies and i'm surprised that at 2000 subscribers i can do that but you know you reach out you you always find out something new but you know i do dabble in other stuff as like social issues here in america political issues just because it's more or less i'm on a journey of finding out like why things are the way they are. So I ask questions and things I'm observing. I have different guests on and, you know, a lot of that content, I guess, because it's controversial. Some of the stuff that I do talk about, um, I do get hit with like the yellow monetization, even if I don't monetize in those videos, I don't like none of my casting of a podcast videos. I don't monetize any of them. If I talk gaming, it's fine. Anything else, yeah, it's it's so whack with how it works now. Like at this point, I'm I guess kind of go with how it is. I, I it's like um it's the most one sided argument in the world because it's the equivalent of trying to talk to someone whilst they have their fingers in their ear and they're just saying la 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 la. Just, right. <laughs> it's 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 um, it's truly amazing and it's it's something because there are not a lot of content creators out here in Hawaii like. There are a lot of people that casually stream. Like I'm, I'm from Honolulu, so there's a lot of people that casually stream out here on Twitch and maybe on Mixer. But when it comes to um, like YouTube, I know off the out of five, I know five YouTube creators out here, and we're all like struggling to get out, you know, beyond a mm-hmm. thousand or two thousand subscribers, and it's it's hard. It's it, even though we're the few in Hawaii trying to do something, it's hard. To get a following. Yeah. <laughs> I think the thing is with YouTube at this point, to capitalize on anything, it's like you need to really strike when the iron's hot. Yeah. So I think that that is the only reason I managed to kind of get lucky with where uh, I was on YouTube because I when Mortal Kombat X was like building up, it's like I was I, I would just so happen to make the right video at the right time. And people managed to find it. Yeah. So I got really lucky in that respect. Definitely. Um, you have to. Like, when the iron's hot, you definitely got to strike. Mm-hmm. And you just have to. I, the other thing I've noticed is consistency, too. And that's something I've noticed. You're really, really good at being consistent with your content. Your 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 content quality is phenomenal. Thank you. Just being it, honest, it, man. It's actually impressive. I watched one of my older videos the other day, uh-huh. and I never cringed so hard in my life. And I've seen how far I've come, and I'm like, you know what? I'm at least glad to, like, three years down the line, I'm not making, my my language, 
absolute shit like that. I, I'm glad that it's it's frankly improved quite drastically, and I'm just like, yeah, I'm I'm glad I didn't keep it that quality, or I don't know what I do with myself. <laughs> this was really bad. Oh man, no man, I, I've I've noticed a definite improvement in the quality of the content you put out. But I mean, from day one, your quality was good. Your editing, the audio levels, your tr- your transition from scenes. You've I, I don't I don't know if you have a background in video ed- videography or video editing, but from day one, your stuff was good. It was no, oh, thank really you. Good. So L- literally, what I ended up doing was just kind of like. I have nothing to do in my free time. I've got to teach myself this and just wing it and just see what happens. (laughs) That that was literally the only experience I had in like from when I started was basically the difference between a con, just a difference between microphones Mm -hmm. and just like an idea. That is really where it kind of just started. It would just started as an idea, and. It just kind of sparked from then, really. It's, it's kind of weird. It's like the way I started up my channel was really, really weird. I'd have to say. Nick, <laughs> I'm curious now. Like, I want to know. All right. Um, I figure I might as well start from the very beginning. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I need to go back by like four years, so. It was roughly about the time I started university. Now, I studied, when I was at university, I started uh, contemporary sound production. And to be fair, like to get in there, I required moderately high grades, which I surprisingly so managed to smash and get in there really, really easy. However, when I got there, oh boy, it was the worst experience of my life. Terrible. I was at a university where Pete, but basically um, the only thing I did back then was uh, I drank socially with people. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to a university with musicians. Everyone is doing like the heaviest drugs possible. And if you, <laughs> if you do not do that, you are not in the circle jerk group. Like it was terrible. So I basically, wow. I hung out with like no one. I had like no friend. Like never in my life. I think I'm. I wouldn't say I'm like. I say I'm quite a judgmental person mm-hmm. when it comes to particular people. But I'm not a hard person to get along with. But literally, for me to go to somewhere where I pretty much hated everyone was terrible. So day in and day out, I'd hate people. And when I started university, I started it on like a really, really bad way because I had to leave my job at the time when I was working in a retail store. Mm-hmm. I broke up with my girlfriend to go to university, like oh, wow. who I, I was like my first girlfriend as well. So yeah. it really sucked. I had to do that. So I ended up going there. I lived, I lived, I lived in a moderately fair enough, like the people I lived with were okay. Um, they did do drugs, unfortunately, in the house, which I didn't appreciate. Mm-hmm. And um, something that will, like, it's quite funny, to be fair, because I still joke with this um, housemate, is that mm-hmm. um, I ended up living under a drummer for a year. Do you have any idea how painful it was to be woken up by a kick bass in, like, in the morning at six? Oh, God. Six o'clock in the morning by a drum kit. Can you imagine what that does to someone? That's got to be insane. <laughs> it was 
so so bad and um <clears throat> when i was there i be after being like drained mentally from people because when i went there i used to go to, i think i wouldn't didn't go to the gym but i worked out on the, like a weekly basis when i went there lost all motivation i pretty much was clinically depressed i lost four and a half stones of muscle whilst i was there so i wasn't wow. eating right i wasn't around the right people wasn't in basically i was in the worst situation i could have ever possibly had been in and on top of that like the university who which i went to uh-huh. uh, i'm not going to name names but this said university said that you know we're going to have seminars with really famous people you know we're going to have big people in and they did but they never ever sent me an invite they sent everyone else an email but i didn't get one and i was paying 9 grand a year to essentially sit in a room losing my sanity it was terrible oh my god it, yeah it was really really bad so basically around beginning of february that year i think it was must have been 2015 cuz channel's 3 years old i basically was like i'm losing grips of my sanity like never before have i ever felt in a situation where i was actually starting to lose grips of my sanity mm-hmm. and i was just kind of like i need to do something man i'm stuck in this room i was i was never in my life had i ever taken time out from studying but for university i was just kind of like i'm taking a week out why mm-hmm. why why would i want to be in i'm not learning anything I don't want, I'm around people I don't like. Yeah. Um so I pretty much just sat in a room. And I was I was like um I'm more, I was a Mortal Kombat fan before cuz I played a lot of Mortal Kombat 9. And I was kind of like, "Oh, there's a new one coming out. Let me take a little bit of a more of a look of it." It's kind of like that's really cool, man. Let me take a look at some more Mortal Kombat videos online. I was just kind of like, "I really like Scorpion. Let me uh, go, uh like a uh, make a video uh not make a video." Look for a video talking about him and his story because at that to- at that time I was invested in like the series mm-hmm. and I was wondering it's like oh what's going on with this character typed in history of Scorpion or Sco- Scorpion Origins didn't find one video didn't find one and I was just kind of like I can't be the only person looking for this video in the world so that's when I looked it up originally on the wiki and I was just kind of like this is really cool man. Why is no one talking about this? Why is um why is no one at all discussing or making topics on this video? Cuz I can't be the only person in the world who's actually looking for this stuff. So it just it just kind of dawned on me and I was just kind of like you know what? I'm going to try my hand at this and I I'm going to see what happens here cuz I've always I've always been kind of a fighting game connoisseur in that sense. Mm-hmm. So I picked it up and I was just I started reading it. I wrote out like a three or four page script for my first video and it like my my first video it it's terrible now compared to stuff I do but I'm kind of proud in it in the sense that I wrote out a script the video did very well as it's got like 2 million views at this point it's crazy but I basically put time into that and I was just kind of like this is and people started watching it and people said like yeah this is good stuff like do do more and I'm like all right all right I'll do more and then I slowly started to drift all the way from like this negative place of university and drift over to this other place of like where I was 
making videos, making content. Like mm -hmm. the people who like gave me praise through my comments meant so much to me at that time because of the situation I was living in. Mm -hmm. And that praise kind of, it kept me going. And then by the end, I, I did it for a few months and then I hit like 10K subscribers. And I was kind of like, you know what? I should, I should actually start investing more time and put some money into this, you know, see what I can actually do with it. Hmm. And then I decided to actually um, put more time and money into it. I started buying better equipment, wanted to branch out more. And it got to the point by the time I started my second year of university, I was just kind of like, I don't need this. I'm already nine grand in debt. Why would I want to be 18 grand in debt? I, I I don't want to be here. So I ended up leaving my university. And the funny thing was, is that um, the, te the teacher, the lecturer who I was talking to, who was also a producer, um, <clears throat> I was talking to him about it. And he was looking at it. I was like, you really have something here, don't you? And it's just kind of like, yeah, I didn't quite expect that response from him. And he just kind of like said, go for it. If what you say is like how it is for you, go mm -hmm. for this. Because, you know, you you might have struck gold here for yourself. Go for yeah. it. Leave. Do what you need to do. So I ended up literally just taking his words to heart. And I was just, I left. And that was easily the best decision of my life. Because if I <clears throat> if I didn't pursue this career... I would basically, uh, to travel to my university, my first year I lived with people. Second year I lived at, um, my own home. Mm -hmm. It was two hours, was it two hours and a bit to travel to my university on train? And then there was London transport as well. And then back. My earliest lecture one day was at eight o'clock. I had to get up five o'clock, take a train, get there. And then I finished at six o'clock in that day. Got oh. home at eight o'clock in the evening, and they expected me to do their work for a lecture. I'm like, yeah, sure, when I can get the time to do it, why not? Why not? So that that used to be my life at university, and um, the money I actually made off YouTube paid yeah. for my train fees to, in fact, travel all the way out. So that's a little fun fact. So um, after doing that for a few months, I just. I just left it and then I just started pursuing YouTube properly and I guess that's been the journey ever since then. It, mm -hmm. it It's a really crazy story to be fair because I, I started off in like the worst place possible and ended up in such a better place. Such a better, better place. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm sad to hear that you had to go through that but you know I like the context of the of your, your situation because there's a light at the end of the tunnel like you went yeah. through the difficulties and the hardship and by going through that you found a passion you found something that's lucrative in a career and it's been really good for you man i'm i'm happy for you i'm really happy for thank you. you very much it's 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 definitely like i think people forget how like fucked up like in the state of like how my channel actually started it's like really messed up mm -hmm. but um i'm would i go would i go through all again to get to where i am probably yes but that would have been a long long like wait because god damn was that terrible <laughs> <laughs> it was terrible because i remember um real story actually um mm -hmm. 
thing I was I was the only one that drank after um a year there, like two months before I started my channel. Mm-hmm. Um I basically stopped drinking at that point because the only thing I did for those few months at university after getting like so clinically depressed was mm-hmm. I just used to drink. I even started smoking at that point. And then it just got to me like one day I was just kind of like, why am I doing this? Why am I somewhere where I'm not happy? I might, I needed like change this shit. And yeah. that, that, I guess that's what led to where I am now, which I'm very, very proud to say I got here. Very, very proud. Man, I, you know, and you talking about your situation, I really, I went through some very similar things at the college I went to out here in uh, Honolulu. Uh, I don't mind saying the name because I hate this college with a passion. <laughs> Shamanai University, screw you. God, I put up with four and a half years of that school. I was ostracized, bullied, beat up by the jocks. One of them. Oh, God. Actually, yeah, one of them that I was roommates with, he was such a bully, man. He used to beat me up all the time because at the time when I started college, I was about I was about 16. I, I went to college early. And mm. so I was short at the time. I was like five, five, seven, five, eight before I hit my growth spurt. And I was stuck with the basketball players. They were real, real big assholes, just jerks. Mm. Except for one. One was a gamer, but because he had a reputation and because I was the dorky kid they didn't like at the time. They you know That's he would, up, Yeah, he had to keep that, that persona up. And then, you know, the one the one real asshole I was stuck with though was a roommate. He used to just beat me up all the time, steal my money, steal my games. And one time he beat me up so bad, I think he had been drinking, he ended up breaking my legs, so I had to go to the ER. Oh, God. The press. It was yeah. yeah, it was horrible. And when you know, I would report this stuff to the school. They wouldn't do anything. And like when I'm as I'm listening to like your story, I'm like, I wish I had the courage to just walk away instead of just putting up with four years of abuse at that college. That's the worst experience of my life is going. Well, not the worst experience, mm. but one of the worst experiences I've ever been through going to that college. And I don't uh, unlike a lot of people, I don't really have fond memories of college. It's just. Mm. It was constant, like being picked on, being ostracized. Like, you know, I'm, I'm part Samoan, part Hawaiian as well, and you know, I never fit in with those groups because I was not, I'm not really brought up in the culture, so to mm-hmm. speak. And yeah, I'm, I can understand. Yeah, no, I'm a military brat. I've I've been all over the place, and so it's it's just interesting, you know, when coming here and not fitting into any. There's no social circle I fit into, so it was just four and a half years of hell. So yeah, I, 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 I wish. Yeah, I really it's wish really that I had just I had the courage that you had to just step away and just do my own thing. I, I commend you for that, man. Oh, really thank you. To be fair, the only reason I stepped away is because I knew at that point like what I had, mm-hmm. and it, like <clears throat> I wouldn't have left university for any other reason if that was the case. But like I, I got that's why I always appreciate what I do because I know for a fact. I got really lucky of what I got. Really, really lucky. So that's mm-hmm. why I never take what I do for granted in that sense either. Definitely, man. Your work's inspiring, man. I, I oh, really... <laughs> Actually, one of the people in the chat, um, he does uh, very similar things to you. With uh, He does it with Virtual Fighter. His name is uh, Oso Jiggly. He's, say, he's actually Segalacious of the channel Oso Jiggly. He's run by him and his brother. And okay. uh, they do a lot of uh, Virtual Fighter... Um, 
lore, which a lot of people I've, I've also found, aside from you and him, a lot of people don't talk about the lore of Virtua Fighter at all. Yeah, I think that's um, I think that's also because um, Virtual Fight. The reason why I haven't covered like Virtual Fight or Guilty Gear or like the other games like that is because it's not. It's because that they're not so much in like the limelight. Because yeah. for the most part, my channel, uh, like when I talk and communicate to people, a lot of people want to see like more popularist stuff is, and um, I tend to. I wouldn't say I cater for those, but I know I appeal to that kind of demographic. So I'm happy to talk about that. But um, when I'm in a place where, you know, I can't, the money kind of has to become a thing, yeah. I have to kind of like, I need to strike quite big at times. Yeah. Because um, I ended up doing Street Fighter, not Street Fighter, um, Soul Calibur earlier this year for like two months. Yeah. Pretty. I, I'm very happy with how those videos turned out. But um the game doesn't have a lot of hype behind it. And I, I saw it in my money and I was just kind of like, I need to go back to Mortal Kombat. It's because it's, it's one of those things, like as, as much as I'd love to cover those particular games, mm-hmm. sometimes if, if the money's just not there and it's, it's taken a toll on me, I can't keep talking about it. Cause I know that I'm going to suffer for it. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately that's, that is the case. But if I had it my way, I I'd talk about a, a lot more stuff trust me <laughs> no i mean it makes sense you know this this is your career and it's you, you do you have to strike where the while the iron's hot and you have to you know communicate with your audience like what do you guys want to see and you've mm-hmm. got a such a massive audience man like i, I understand i understand oh, thank you but uh, yeah you just yeah, unfortunately that that is somewhat the nature of the beast with youtube mm-hmm. like if you don't do well you can very very quickly slip into obscurity which is um really sad in that aspect because when i started um making videos i followed quite a few youtubers Uh, i'm not going to name these said individuals but i was watching them on the side whilst i was making my stuff just as casual content to watch when i finished up a video and stuff Mm -hmm. and i noticed like two or three or four of those content creators that i was talking about have I, I've basically surpassed them, mm-hmm. and the reason—the only reason that I ended up surpassing them—is because they—they they basically stayed where they were with making like Black Ops, you know, Call of Duty, Black Ops videos, and just just particular ones. And it kind of became like a safety blanket for them, I guess, because that's where their views really came from. Mm-hmm. Instead of trying to branch out and progress, and when I've looked at those channels now, like. They're only bringing in about one point five k. When they, when originally when I started watching them, they were bringing in one hundred and stuff like that. It was crazy. But oh, wow. it, it's really weird. It's really really weird because um, I still watch those channels now. Yeah, and it's it's just weird. I I, I can't describe it anything else. It's just <laughs> so odd. Uh, it, it makes sense. Like I know, like when I started getting the surge of growth on my channel uh, last year. Like towards the beginning of last year, I was probably at like fifty some something subscribers in January. And then once you know the Switch rumors started coming out, and I said, "Oh, I'll do a giveaway of a Switch the day of release." Which, funny enough, the day the Switch release was actually my wedding. Oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't take that into account. <laughs> 
It's uh, you know, um, prior to prior to switching over to doing gaming and streams and whatnot, I was doing a lot of tech reviews and trying to do like the cell phone stuff. And I just started to realize I'm like, this is too oversaturated because it's it's gotten to a point where it's like everyone's trying to be the next Marquez Brownlee or the next uh, your average consumer. And I saw so many people basically copying and pasting the same style. And I'm like. Uh, there's too many people here. I want to try something different. So I went, you know, I follow a lot of Nintendo channels, or at least I did. And I'm like, okay, so these people are coming out just bash, you know, not bashing, but uh, they're just throwing so much news content, like six to seven videos within a day, if not 13 mm-hmm. videos in a day. And I'm like, how about I do something different? I'll just shift, you know, how I'm doing it to not really c- come off like I'm biting their style, but just do very differently and mm. you know from when the switch came out i think up until like uh december last year i just saw a surge i was getting 10 i went from 10 subscribers a day up to a couple hundred a day to like a couple hundred <laughs> a day That's cool, man. and it, it just it, it got to where it is now where i guess because a lot of people wrote that you know going back to like you said striking when the iron's hot I think a lot of people wrote the Switch success and a lot, some did better than others, but it's gotten to a point where almost everybody's talking about the Switch and everyone at this point is also talking about Smash. It's like you can't look up Nintendo without finding 50 million different, I wonder who's going to be in this version of Smash Mm -hmm. topic video. So again, now it's another field that's oversaturated, which is kind of what led into me doing like the podcast series where, you know, I'm like, okay. Who's doing a podcast is, you know, going from gaming to tech to social issues to, mm-hmm. you know, national issues to who, who's doing kind of like an am- amalgamation of that. So I was like, oh, I don't see anyone doing that. And it's amazing as I've started doing it on YouTube and I have it on iTunes and Google Play Music and others. I, I, I'm, I'm shocked that I'm getting millions of listens and downloads on iTunes and Google Play. I just wish that this would transition over to my YouTube yeah. channel. <laughs> but the podcast, yeah, like the podcast industry is interesting. Um, how there are a lot of people that are really interested in listening to podcasts, but it's like I guess videos because you have to sit and watch it unless mm-hmm. they're short. Um, it's hard to, I guess, maintain the attention span. So I, I don't yeah, know. I can understand that. I, I even take that into account in some of my videos sometimes. That's why. Um, there's sometimes there's gameplay instead of images and I keep mm-hmm. that for the most part to keep people intertwined but um I know a lot of people like to just throw in a video and get on with whatever they're doing whilst they're listening to that as well so I I completely understand where you're coming from in that respect so, I mean with that being said man what what got you into gaming like what uh I don't know I think it was always the appeal it's quite a funny story and that in itself as well um my father absolutely hated video games. Despised really? it with a burning passion. Like he didn't like the idea of me gaming in the first place. It was <clears throat> it was more so a hobby thing that I was really like interested in. And the <laughs> fact that he didn't like it and found it so taboo kind of propelled me even more into liking it. It was <laughs> one of those things. Um, the the problem was is that. Um, at a very young age as well, and the reason that kind of plays into it is mm-hmm. that 
my father always tried to kind of mold me into what he wanted. He never gave me the free will to kind of choose what I wanted to listen to, what I wanted to play, essentially. Like, uh, a lot of my martial arts background comes from ones that he actually picked up until I picked one that I liked, which I stuck with. Mm-hmm. Um, even instruments for guitar. Like, uh, I always wanted to play guitar, but it would always take, like, you always say that, oh, it was me that got me into it, and he's completely wrong. Um, <laughs> basically, the more taboo he made that situation, because he knew I wanted one, encouraged me more to want to pursue it. So by the eight, he basically said to me at one point, like, you can't have a video game console whilst you're in school. I was like, all right, cool. I get, I think, but the second I left secondary school and I got to college, bought one. I bought an Xbox 360. I have it in my room. No, actually, I don't. It got red ring like three times. But um, <laughs> I, 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 I got it. I had it. And he noticed it one day and he seemed fine with it. And I'm like, hmm, really? And then at some point he basically just said, I hate you having that. It's going to be like the photo of your grades, blah, blah, blah. I absolutely smashed college. I got really high grades. In secondary school, I actually didn't. So clearly having that in my life led to me actually getting better grades as well, which is a which is a very bitter pill for him to swallow even till this day. Mm-hmm. So I think it was one of those lines where the more taboo he made it, the more interested in it I became. Because every time I'd go over to my friends' houses, I'd end up playing. I don't even care what I ended up playing. I just wanted to play on a goddamn console, which I ended up. <laughs> like, um, I remember, like, my introduction to the FPS genre was the first ever Halo. That was mm-hmm. the first ever one I played on the original Xbox. That was a really long time ago. And I found it so enticing. Like it was like I was it was like I was getting sucked into another world and it was really amazing. I remember falling asleep at one o'clock in the morning with my friend when we were like eight years old. Like not even eight, it must be six or something. It may be even less. And then waking up at six o'clock in the morning to mm-hmm. jump straight back on it for the next few hours and then we pass like the next few levels and then just kind of like, oh, I have to go home now. Hmm. And I come around next weekend. So it was one of those things. And it was it was really, really cool. It was just it was one of those things that just appealed to me. And around I guess around this time as well, I must have been really enticed by like martial arts. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I went on a like a holiday well, I say holiday, when I went to go visit out some family in Thailand and then one night I picked up and the first ever fighting game I picked up was Tekken 4. Mm-hmm. And I was like, holy crap, this is so cool. Like, to be fair, it's Tekken. It's like, what other game can you have a crazy ninja fight a guy in a Jaguar mask? Like, it was absolutely insane. And I I loved it for that reason. So I ended up picking it up and I, I had so much fun playing it. And I was just kind of like, I really like this genre. This might actually appeal to me more than the fighting game genre. Uh, not fighting game, a shooter genre. So I always had my eye on it. And then one day I ended up picking up Mortal Kombat. And I was like, this game is literally the craziest shit. A blend of <laughs> Western and Eastern culture with the most absurd ways to finish people. What isn't there to love at that point? And I guess I must have been like a young teenager. So I was like, yeah, look at me being edgy and cool playing this game where there's blood and violence 
And I ended up picking it up and I really, really enjoyed it. And then after that, when I went was still in secondary school, I I picked up Mortal Kombat 9 because there was so much hype around that game. Yeah. And it like that was the first console yeah, that was the first game I actually purchased with my own money. Mm-hmm. Picked it up, played it, instantly fell in love with it. Was absolute dog shit at it. I was terrible i used to pull off strings into special moves i was like look at how cool i am yeah i know what i'm doing friends so that ended up happening and then i played it and i really enjoyed it um obviously there was injustice too later down the line but that didn't quite appeal to me at that particular time um when i went into college is when i started when i picked up my console I just started playing games casually. I guess at um, 16, I started to put my foot in the water and just explore different genres, different games, get an understanding of what I actually liked. And um, around the end half of it, like, the thing is, I played every year, like, I basically played every genre, just give it a try. Some Mm -hmm. stuck with me, some didn't. But one that I always did enjoy was the fighting game genre. So that way, when I played like Tekken 6 against my friends or Mortal Kombat, I'd obliterate them. And I'd only played it casually at that point. And I'm just kind of like, hmm, all right, I really like this. I want to play some more of it. I'm, I'm terrible, but I, I'm, I'm thoroughly enjoying myself. Mm. And that's where it got up to university, where we are now with Mortal Kombat. I saw that and I was like, that's so cool. Uh, and then I made videos about it. And then I actually bought, like, I bought an Xbox One and I bought, um, the, like, my first ever Mortal, uh, Mortal Kombat. Uh, I bought my first ever Xbox One game, which was Mortal Kombat X. Mm-hmm. Plugged it in and had, it was amazing. It was amazing. I remember my first few experiences with it. And um, around this time as well, I was like, oh, that's so cool. Let me explore into it. And I remember the first ever competitive match I ever watched was Fatal Way, P&D Ketchup versus CR, well, at the time, CR Sonic Fox. Mm-hmm. I watched it, and I was like, oh, this guy's a British guy. That's pretty cool. I didn't know that uh, we had a British scene going on here. Mm-hmm. And I watched it, and, like, be, be fair, um, Ketchup played really, he played well, but, I mean, it's it's Sonic Fox. The guy's, like, a computer. He's 50 steps ahead of you. He's like a damn Terminator watching him play. <laughs> and he, he didn't lose, but I was like, this is really, really cool. And th- that was the first ever competitive match that really turned up. Mm-hmm. And then after that, the, the videos turned up uh, on my recommended feed as I was making videos at the time. And I was just kind of like, huh, alright, this is really cool. I ended up watching it and I was kind of like, holy shit, there's more than three strings into a special move. I can eat Yeah, I'm learning this. <laughs> so I ended up doing that and ever since then, like, my understanding of fighting games has grown exponentially. Like, after playing Mortal Kombat, watching their videos and then seeing some other stuff on the side, mm-hmm. like, I started to see oh my god, there's actually, there's way more to this than I actually originally thought there were. Like, th- th- there's, there's combo strings, like, I even started watching some Street Fighter stuff, I was terrible at it. I was like, FADCs, Ultras, X-Rays, all, the, all these other new aspects I hadn't really picked up on before. I was, yeah. I just, it kind of grew from there. And from actually watching their videos, like, um, I say that a lot of my gameplay and stuff goes completely to catch up and mastered. Like 
their stuff is really really good uh check them out on youtube by the way anyone who's watching but basically that's that's where it kind of started which is really where it gets kind of surreal because mm-hmm. um I got to meet them for the first time last year and they invited me to that injustice event actually that I talked to you about. Mm. Um, they invited me there and meeting them was literally the coolest thing that ever had happened. Cause I, I, I basically looked up to these guys to like <clears throat> start my somewhat, I wouldn't say somewhat start my gaming career, but somewhat start my competitive career. Mm-hmm. And ever since then me and the, uh, condiment brothers as we call them we've been really really good friends so it's it's so surreal it's really really surreal but it's so cool at the same time oh man that's awesome that's awesome it's really weird because um i remember uh (laughs) i don't actually uh i'll say something quite personal but i don't talk to my father anymore Mm -hmm. but he it's always a bitter pill for him to swallow but I ended up gaining success in video games when mm-hmm. he wanted me to do it in music. And on top of that, um, it, I think at one point he tried to take, um, like, um, what was it? He tried to say that the only reason that I'm at where I am now is because of him. And I'm like, no, you weren't. No, <laughs> no you weren't. <laughs> <laughs> It makes me laugh now because it's so absurd in itself. And I just go like, that is the best thing ever. It's so funny. (laughs) So I didn't want to bring it in on the personal note, but I thought you should add that because it's so funny. And um, it just kind of goes to show that if you really enjoy something and you really want to pursue it, go for it. You know, just, just find your right timing. Sometimes original concepts are the best ones to come up with and literally... I wouldn't say just wing it, but do what you can and understand what you're doing because yeah. like it, it can actually work out surprisingly really well for you three years down the line. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a crazy one. I feel like I've gotten lucky on so many occasions and one day it's just going to all go downhill. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, you, you've, you've, done so phenomenally well man i def- I, I just gotta say this man i'm proud of you your story thank is you very much um and i think you speak for you know speak to a lot of us out here that you know have parents that may not like the career that we've gone into but we have a passion for it and love for it yeah. and have become very successful in it and you know you, you're definitely the success story for that so yeah i, I got so lucky I got so, so lucky when I think about it. Like, I didn't think I was, that I started saying it now, and I'm like, wow, how did, <laughs> how did I do this? <laughs> I got oh. so, so lucky. I, didn't, I never take what I do for granted because, like, man, it's, it was so, like, the trials and tribulations and stuff I needed to go through to get here have mm-hmm. been some of the most mind-numbing stuff, but it to see how it is at the end of the day, it's well worth it. Definitely. Well, well worth it. Again, man, proud of you, man. It's, it's, it's an inspirational story to, to, and, and just being able to, like, again, man, having you on this podcast is such an honor. Thank you. Know, thank you. Honestly, it's like, it, it's, it's one of those things where it's really, it's kind of weird, but it's always an honor in that respect as well, because like when, I don't get asked to be interviewed a lot. And when I do, it feels like it feels amazing because Mm -hmm. 
I'm not a very hard person to reach out to, but the thing is with what I do, I, I've never tried to be a different person from when I've started. Mm-hmm. That's why I always, regardless of who you're like, who you as an individual, like I always will be happy to work with people. It, mm-hmm. It's, it's just how I am as a person, you know? Yeah. And I, I appreciate that, man. Cause I know, um, I've reached out to like a lot of people that I, I, I enjoy their content. I follow them or, you know, ones that I see that are making content that I'm really interested in. And, you know, I, the fact that, you know, I reached out to you and, and you almost immediately replied like that. That's really rare. I, I found a lot of people and maybe it's because, you know, a lot of people get a lot of spam comments and tweets and messages, but you know, as to why, like, a lot of people just don't reply. Like, there are some that I've noticed that, and, and I've gotten word, like, for a lot of YouTubers that I would like to collab with and have on my show and do this interview process, a lot of them have told me that, and like, until you reach, like, four, like, five or 6,000 subscribers, I'm not going to hop on your channel. But I've had, like, you and uh, another YouTuber, Amazing Lucas, and I've t- even tomorrow morning, I'm going to have uh, one of one of the biggest political comment of uh, commentary on uh, politics here in the U S like this YouTuber, he's growing rapidly. He's about to hit a hundred thousand subscribers. And like, as I've reached out to you guys, it's almost instantaneous. Like, yeah, why not? I don't mm. mind, but it, it's, I, I have definitely run into that, that, uh, that roadblock with a lot of people that I, I think, you know, Hey, you know, it'd be cool to talk to you, but it's like, no, until you've reached this plateau. Uh-uh. Yeah, I yeah. <laughs> I, the thing is, is that I, I can understand where a lot of people are coming from in that respect because that <clears throat> depending on like where you are, like you must have quite a few people approaching you. But mm. luckily, I'm not in that state because I don't really tweet a lot. I don't really do a lot of stuff via social media. For the most part, I, everything that I do need to say, I say on uh, like YouTube. Yeah, because I have a feeling if if I wanted to say everything that I personally felt on Twitter, I would probably upset a lot of people. <laughs> so um, it's probably good that I don't go on Twitter too too much. Oh, oh man, yeah, tw- Twitter is kind of a it's, it's a double edged sword because I, there's some things like that tweet uh, the that hashtag I was telling you about mm, uh, before yeah. we went live. Uh, I've gotten some interesting DM messages about that. I was like, well, it's not, it's not untrue. Like if you're about gaming, then be about gaming. I don't need to see selfies where you got boobs. <laughs> you know? it's, again, like I said to you, it's one of those things where it probably most likely started out really, really innocent. And then just people have taken it so out of context. It's like, yeah. um, it's probably how a lot of these challenges start off. They probably start off as a meme up until someone actually ends up doing it. And you're like, wow. So people are taking it. <laughs> I'm guessing like the Tide Pod challenge was probably something someone said to another as a joke. And the people were like, let me do it. Let's see what happens. Five hours later, they're in the hospital getting their stomach punched. And I'm just the one laughing at them. I'm like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I say, why? <laughs> like, why, why, why did you think that was a good idea? <laughs> oh God, it's, it's it's literally the worst idea. Like it eats away at your stomach. Like the fact to eat away at your stomach acids, like should be enough an incentive reason for like you to not 
do that, but people do it anyway. And I, I know I'm going to sound like super, super harsh, but regardless of whatever happens to that individual, I have no sympathy for you once you put that thing in your mouth. Because exactly. whatever happens to you is on you at that point. I yeah. have like no sympathy at all. Yeah, I, I, I'm the same way. It's like, if you know it's going to hurt yourself, why? Like, Yeah, it's, it's literally <laughs> the worst possible thing you can do. Oh, man. Um, yeah, it's, 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 you know, I, I like to say this and I get flack for it, but I like to tell people, I'm like, common sense is not very common. Yeah, no, it's not, it's not anymore. It, it's not at all. It's, it's terrible. It's, it's just the worst. I'd rather, like, I'm not the smartest individual in the world, but I would easily take my common sense and street smarts over some high level intellect any day of the week, any yeah. day, because I mean, the, the Tide Pod challenges, now you've got people pulling condoms oh, God. out of their mouths <laughs> through their noses, and I'm like, hmm, I'm good, I'm good. <laughs> where, uh, I don't even know where this is coming, like who, uh, this is like the second challenge with the condom they've done. I think the first one where they were filling it with water, and dropping it over their head. Oh my god, I've repressed that one. <laughs> I've repressed that one. Oh. oh my god. How... You know, at some point, if aliens calm down, they're gonna think we're like the most degenerate race ever. Just kind of like, so what are your... What did your race do? Oh, we pull out condoms through our mouths, through our noses. <laughs> What else do you do? Well, we have something called the Tide Pod Challenge. What does that do? We destroy our stomachs for the lols. They think we're suicidal at that point. They genuinely think we're like some kind of goat race that they can sacrifice. I swear to God, it's so bad. It's so, so bad. They're literally going to come down and be like, yeah, we can skip this planet. There's nothing here. <laughs> It's like a, a level of disappointment that you wouldn't think can be achieved, but it, it is. Oh, man. <laughs> I just... It's... <laughs> I, I have a nephew. I have a nephew who's about 18 who do, who did the condom challenge, and he, he sent me a video message of him doing it. And he's like, isn't it cool, Uncle? I'm like, I don't know you. <laughs> And I work in healthcare. I'm like, oh my god, that's oh wow, that is oh my god. I don't even know what to say on top of that. You just, I think he's gonna get like a judgmental stare at the entirety of Thanksgiving. I know, like, I, I, I don't care, like, what, what it doesn't matter what he does in life. I'm gonna be like, you put a condom through your nose and pull it out of your mouth. <laughs> Say, oh cool! I, I got into. You can be like, oh, I got into an Ivy League college. I don't care. You pull the condom through your nose. <laughs> what you do? Get that video, save it. Wait till his wedding day. Stick it in his wedding day video, man. Yep. Never let it go. Be like, I, I, I make a toast to the kid that uh, is getting married today who used to put condoms through. His nose. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> 
That would be the best, best <laughs> thing. Oh, Lord. Oh, my God. Oh, man. I, I, I got to ask you, um, what is your take on the current state of fighting games and gaming in general in comparison to, like, previous generations? <sighs> Ooh, what's a quite heavy handed question. Um, I think gaming now has reached a level bigger than any it's ever really been for the sole fact that it is now in the public eye um <clears throat> regardless of whatever type of game whatever kind of genre it is like mm -hmm. it is a massive industry i'm pretty sure last year the gaming industry actually made uh more money than the film industry because yeah. it is so absurdly large um i <clears throat> unfortunately i do feel like it's made so much money um because of loot boxes, uh, <clears throat> which is a topic. I, it, I've, it's just it's one of those things. I'm just kind of like so stupid. But um, I mean, we can so, go over it if you want. <laughs> I mean, it is the it's the most stupid thing possible. Like, it, I mean, even if it's cosmetic at this point, I avoid that thing like a plague. It is just it's one of those things that it, it shouldn't be there. Why is it there? It's a gimmick. And people really need to like just stop investing in that that whole kind of thing. I think if uh, EA has, if Warner Brothers and EA last year has taught us anything, is that they definitely are really really interested in not making more bang for their buck, but putting a bit more money in their pocket. Yeah, um, it is is so stupid at this point. And um, I, what doesn't help is the people who actually buy it. And I can understand that respect, like, oh, I don't have as much hours in the day to play as other people. Other people? It's like, mm -hmm. sure, fine then. Take your time with that game instead of having to catch up with your friends. They don't have to. Don't, one, buy a full-priced game to only pay as much money as another full-priced game through micro microtransactions. Like, yeah. That's why I was so against, like, um, easy fatalities in MKX because I'm just kind of like, why is this here? It's a four or five button input. Do I look <laughs> like I am handicapped? <laughs> like, are you treating me like I'm stupid? Like it, it's it's so it's it's gotten to a place now where it's gotten really out of hand. Yeah, and I'm I'm quite glad that people. Um, Walk back uh, for Battlefront 2. It's it wasn't a game I was going to support anyway, for the sole fact that I knew what was going to happen to it in the first place. But I'm I'm glad yeah. people are being very vocal about it, and have um, basically kind of pushed back against the whole microtransaction thing. But to um, go back on your topic of the whole mainstream gaming thing, um, yeah, gaming has become a lot more mainstream now. Um, Industry is absolutely huge. And I think that people are finally understanding the money that's in esports, and esports yeah. is becoming um, a massive, massive thing now. Um, I, oh, sorry, uh, I appreciate like the stuff that they're doing. And be fair, it the one thing I love about how big this community, like gaming, has become in general, mm -hmm. is the fact that um, gaming companies are realizing this, and they're actually reaching out to influencers and people and they're bringing them in it's like it's a way of promote not only does it help promote that channel with a particular game because it's not out yet but it's a great way it's like it's great publicity 
you know both sides end up winning and it's really really damn good i that's why um i hold bandai namco at such a high high level compared to a lot of other gaming companies mm-hmm. because on multiple occasions i've gone in to play tekken soul Calibur, dragon ball fighters and <clears throat> the only thing they ever say to me is to cut out particular parts of my video and they're just kind of like go, go have fun enjoy yourself you know and that that that's the one massive thing that I, I've always loved about how big gaming has become is how like the community like how there is genuinely a very very nice community of people at times I say at times and <laughs> how like you know the people who work at some of these companies they don't treat you as some kind of cash cow like they're just kind of like here I, you, you've earned this position to be where you are now. Go, go ahead and show off to the world, you know, what, what you have earned in that respect. And, yeah. you know, that's why I've, I've always highly, highly praised Bandai Namco because genuinely I'm I'm friends with people there now after mm-hmm. going there so many times and work and like promoting their stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm always happy. I always will talk at Bandai Namco with positive respect because they've been such a good company to me. <laughs> Man, that's that's. And, you know, that's one of the things that I love about this YouTube journey, especially in the gaming sector, when you get to work with companies such as Bandai Namco and, you know, uh, Capcom, to an extent, I've worked with them, <laughs> <laughs> you know, NetherRealm Studios and Warner Bros. and stuff. When you get to work with the companies when the game is being made and you get to give them their critique, you know, critique it and give them some feedback. And it, it's just such... It, it you know it goes back to something you said you were saying earlier in the podcast where you know it was kind of like a dream when you're a kid to be able to do this mm-hmm. and now as an adult like you found an avenue where you're able to do that like even now like I went from reviewing indie games to you know Horizon Zero Dawn, uh, Breath of the Wild, uh, Neo, Near Automata, um, what's the, the most recent one I did. This year, I believe, was Dragon Ball Fighter Z, Monster Hunter World, uh, Yakuza Six, and right now I got in today like a copy of uh, God of War, the new one. Mm. So it's oh, like, wow. you know, for me to be able to do that, I'm like, as a, I, I remember as a kid reading game magazines, like I would love to do this, and I remember people telling me like, there's no way you can do it, and I'm like, the same people now, I'm like, hey, guess what I'm doing for a hobby? That's really fun (laughs) it's one of those things where like you don't forget those things because you're just kind of like all right we'll see where i am at the end of the day and it makes it all that much more sweet when you actually do achieve it and you're like told you so (laughs) right (laughs) it's a great feeling it is really i I don't i don't want to be that guy who says oh i told you so but you know, so. <laughs> you, you, you can't deny what's on the paper, you know? Yeah, definitely, man. Um, speaking of, um, you know, the fighting games that you got to work with, uh, the companies that you got to work with, the fighting games and whatnot, what fighting game system do you prefer or find to be the most fun and fluid? Oh, that's really, really good. Um, I've always been a massive, obviously, I've been a massive advocate for Never Run Studios games. Um been massive massive fan of Mortal Kombat for a very long amount of time uh <clears throat> I've worked with, worked with Warner Brothers I say worked with Warner Brothers 
Kitchen Mastered worked with Warner Brothers and they invited me and I kind of became, I, I'm still not too, too known in the, well known in the UK scene for actually who I am because I, I, I'm not one of those people that likes to brag. Mm-hmm. But um, like that was a really, really good opportunity. Um, hopefully I can do some small stuff when MK11 drops. But um, it's it's really crazy. It's really, really crazy. It never stops being crazy. Um, as for another fighting game system, I really, really do enjoy. Um, I've I've been playing a lot of uh, art system game stuff. Um, mm-hmm. They've always appealed to me, but the difficulty curve in Blaz Blue and Guilty Gear is ridiculous. So I've never been good at them, which mm-hmm. is why I was super, super happy for Dragon Ball Fighters that they kind of dialed it back a bit and. Basically, in, in in Dragon Ball Fighters, when I picked it up, I struggled for a little bit. Mm-hmm. But now, after playing it for like months on end, like it's, I'm, I'm a bit of a humble brag, I'm kind of a monster at it. Hey, like, but it's it, it, the truth. You hear me? <laughs> <laughs> I ended up playing it. I ended up picking it up, and like I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. And I, I'm glad that um, with those games, they they. Well, I see if those games with this game they've dialed it back from the other games mm-hmm. because they've broken it down in such a simple formula that everyone can kind of play it and I guess be moderately good at it. It's mm-hmm. just when you start breaking that difficulty curve from casual to understanding competitively and just kind of tweaking it up your stuff that it gets a lot better. Mm. Um, another fighting game system that I do really, really uh, enjoy is Soul Calibur, because uh, I got to play uh, the new Soul Calibur game, which I was very, very fortunate to do so, courtesy of Bandai Namco, thanks again. <laughs> um, I got to play, yeah, I got to play Soul Calibur 6, and honestly, it is amazing. Really, really good. Like, it is, it is the smoothest the series has ever been. Movement feels fluid, nothing feels blocky. It's, it's one of the, I'd say it's, if you want to like restart your franchise, mm-hmm. this is the perfect game to do it with because there's enough depth in there that you it's the same thing with Dragon Ball Fight. It's there's enough depth in there that it can be played competitive, but it's also a very simple game to pick up and play with friends casually. That's the one thing I really, really do enjoy with it. Okay. Um the mechanics in it are really fun. Um, some of the stuff does feel a little bit gimmicky at first because it's quite difficult to work around. But once you know how to work around it, you'll pretty much be solid for the rest of the game. Um, again, another Bandai Namco game is uh, Tekken 7. Uh, I enjoy Tekken 7. Um, it's a shame that the game has really been getting a lot of flack for some time now. And um, I'm not saying it's it's necessarily Bandai Namco's fault, as it is the Tekken 7 devs team. but um, the DLC for that game, like season pass wise, has kind of been underwhelming. But I think a lot of people are complaining about it and forgetting what they actually saw on the tin, which was costumes, bowling, two DLC characters. And I, I think a lot of people are very upset. I can understand, like, in the respect of how they've spaced it out, which I do think has not been too good. Yeah. But in saying that, the characters that have come out are really, really fun to play. Really, really enjoyable. But um, for the most part, that does cover a lot of the... Those like the main fighting games I play. Like, um, I, I would play something like Street Fighter, but I am... Tr- 
trash at Street Fighter. It, it's the it's the one fighting game series that I just I can't gel with for some reason. I don't know what it is. It's just every time I play it, I feel like I have because with Mortal Kombat games and NRS games in general, I have to dial in the input and it will come out. Whereas yeah. with this one, I need to be so on the point and on the button that I'm dialing it in before the no, I have to dial it in before the moves come out. But in Street Fighter, I have to dial it in as the moves come out. So I have to yeah. do it on reaction, and it throws me off really, really bad. Yeah. So I was playing um, Street Fighter Five a little bit yesterday because um, I got my brook converter sorted out. I plugged it in, and I was just kind of like, oh, no, I forgot how bad I was at this game. I'm not used to this again. It, it's, it has to all be reactionary. Oh, man. <laughs> I think that's kind of like one of the the issues I have because I grew up primarily on Street Fighter and SNK uh, fighters. And so, you know, I would occasionally play Mortal Kombat here and there. And um, I played 9. I love 9. I'm garbage at 9, but I love 9. I I loved Armageddon, too. And um, I got into the Injustice series and uh, Mortal Kombat X and I think it's because I'm so used to playing Street Fighter and SNK games that I'm so used to immediate, you know, like reading what's happening and reacting to where mm-hmm. I have to shift from that to the dial a combo. My flow is horrible. It like, feels really weird. It feels really weird. It's just, it's one of those things. Like, um, I understand that there's like Street Fighter players and NRS players who kind of like, Juke it out, and I'm just kind of like it. You, it's like apples and oranges yeah. in that respect. Like they're they're both good in their own way. They're just they're, they're good in their own sense. Yeah, but um, it, it's really weird. That's why um, I, I'm really against the whole kind of like community battles and let's see which one is better. Yeah, and <clears throat> if they ever do like a Street Fighter Mortal Kombat crossover, I have no idea how that would work. <laughs> The the thing is, as much as I'd want to see that, the last two crossover games from Capcom have been underwhelming. <laughs> so um, I think I'm probably going to give that a pass. Um, yeah. Considering the last two was literally Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite, God rest its soul, <laughs> and te- was it Tekken vs. Street? You know, Street Fighter vs. Tekken, which, oh, which I think. It's a fun game to play if you play it casually with your friends and you're kind of drunk. Yeah. But I, I remember a lot of people being really upset with the gem system and, like, the super system, which will kill one of your characters and, like, put a timer on your other one. I, I didn't really... You see, that's how casual I was with the Street Fighter, like, games in general. I don't really know too much about the mechanics and stuff. But mm-hmm. I remember a lot of people being really upset about that. I know, like, when I got into playing Street Fighter Cross Tekken, uh, for me, I was upset with it. One, not only because of the DLC was on the, it was locked behind a paywall and it was on the disc. Oh, yes. Um, it was the fact that t- it just felt like Street Fighter 4. Like, it did. It, it, even with the Tekken characters, they didn't play like Tekken. They just felt like an amalgamation of different characters from the Street Fighter franchise just to fit this role. And it's like the way I played Jin and Tekken and then I tried to play 
as him in this, I'm like, this doesn't work. It's really, really weird. Yeah. Really, really weird. And the biggest thing, too, like, I've said this to a lot of people, I'm like, with Street Fighter Cross Tekken, almost all of the Tekken characters are at a massive disadvantage to the Street Fighter characters who have projectiles. Yeah. And they're slow. The the Tekken characters are slower, they're heavier with their jumps. Um, they have more moves than the Street Fighter characters, but it just it was not well done at all. Mm. So I would have taken a Capcom versus SNK three over Street Fighter Tekken. <laughs> I feel like everyone was kind of waiting for that and then like I, I don't really know what's going on with Capcom. I'm not gonna talk about them badly. I've never actually worked with them, surprisingly. Mm-hmm. But um I don't know. I feel like their company's in a really, really weird place at the moment. And a lot of people who were in the community who worked with Capcom have kind of disappeared. Yeah. Like, uh, Mike Ross recently has walked away completely as, like, the, his okay. whole involvement with fighting games and esports and Capcom basically telling him what to do and how his show was essentially useless and stuff like that. I'm just kind of like, Capcom, you kind of need this because yeah. the, the furthest thing, one thing you don't want to do is basically stray away from your community. And I think if do, if you do that, it kind of goes to show how out of touch you actually are. Yeah, you know. I mean, what was it? There was Combo Fiend as well, wasn't there? Who uh, Combo Fiend? <clears throat> yeah, he he ended up walking away as well, and I, I think it's I, I love. Capcom to death because I mean, as much flack as I do give them, they did do some really good stuff. But I feel like at the moment they're in a really weird place. They need to really kind of do something to bring people in for this stuff. Yeah. And I know like Street Fighters um, season three, like DLC characters, may bring people back in. But as we discussed before, we actually started this podcast. We have Minot being beyond top tier at this point. You know? I, I mean, like... I In Abigail. Like, I feel like Street Fighter Five at this point has just... Yeah, I'm not going to speak bad of Street Fighter Five in that respect, but there's problems with it, and I think it's become a meme. And yeah. people are clearly... like Everyone knows it's kind of becoming a meme, and people are laughing at it. And I think that is just one of those things where they need to really kind of get back in touch with their community and really listen to them instead of just what they think. Yeah. You know, it's, it's just that that's my own personal opinion on it. Cause I know a lot of people get quite upset when people talk about Capcom and put them in this bad light. I'm not trying to put them in a bad light. It's just that right now the reputation isn't doing them too well. I think that they need, there needs to be some changes but um, overall, I I do like what I do like the company. I do like the stuff they've done. But I think it's then a really really weird predicament at the moment. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'll say this, and Capcom, y'all can put this on me. But the best thing that's come out of Street Fighter Five is that Ryu fight stick <laughs> that I got from <laughs> Mad Cats. <laughs> that's the best thing. Cause, and oh. the only other thing I'm waiting for right now that will actually get me back into playing season three of street fighter five is going to be Cody. And I hope to God they don't change Cody because I've played Sakura so far as she's the first character to come out. 
and five. And my God, I don't like how she plays coming off of Street Fighter Four. Mm. Just play like her jumps, her and her. The fact that it takes two to three seconds for her to start up her hurricane kick and her dragon punch, it throws the the the, the way I play her completely off. And I'll yeah. I don't like it. I, I can understand that. I can really, really understand that because I feel like the whole purpose of those tools are either extending or doing like reversals. Mm-hmm. And it, if there's like that much startup and it's not immediate on reversal, you are opening yourself up for a world of hurt. Yeah, definitely are. Um, since we brought up uh, Mike Ross and uh, Combo Fiend, I want to ask you, you know, considering that the fight game community or the FGC has been partly responsible uh, for keeping the fighting game genre alive with, you know, critical moments like Daigo's epic comeback, I believe that was like in the early 2000s, 2003 mm-hmm. or so, um, and pushing for major tournaments, both local, national, and global, do you think that they will be able to maintain that momentum uh, especially with the coverage from groups like E-League, uh, which one of my friends is actually on E-League, and I think a lot of people might give me flack for this. I'm actually friends with Low Tier God. Um, That's fair enough. I- I'll say this because a lot of people, I-, I he gets a lot of hate. He's nothing like the character he portrays. If you mm-hmm. understand like wrestling, like playing a heel, one of the main reasons I know that he has pr- he's put on this character is because he's like, I want to stand out because there's a lot of people... You know, he likes the heat. Yeah, he literally likes. I mean, fair enough. He's he's definitely built that reputation around himself. I'm like, I'm sure he's probably like a really nice guy behind closed doors. But I I feel like, in that sense, he he's also very much so kind of his persona is so well known that a lot of people think he's become said persona. But like I said, like people very different behind closed doors. Yeah, like um, I'm. I'm going to say something here, and I'm not going to name said individual, but I went to a tournament last year. Mm -hmm. Um, Not going to say which one it is, because then I'll be putting that individual on blast. Mm -hmm. But the person said, well, the person I knew from streaming, completely different person when I actually met said person, because I I don't want to give it away. Mm -hmm. Um, Met said individual, never, ever want to meet it again. Never. Terrible, terrible individual. Not the same person he or she puts up on camera at all. Yeah. So, yeah, I've run into a lot of people like that uh, in the game community, especially in the Nintendo scene. mm. Oh boy. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty bad. But um, I think that's a story I'll probably tell you off stream to to maintain professionalism. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, like, I'll, uh, I'll tell you who the people I, I know. <laughs> but, it's um, amazing the, the click that runs together. And oh yeah, if you get on one's bad side, they all come down on you. And I've learned that. It's pretty funny, though, because <laughs> I feel like um, in, in that respect and what you're saying is that it can get really silly at times because you just kind of like, it's like a kindergarten. Like, yeah. it's like, you're friends with this individual. We can't be friends because you're friends with that. I'm like, grow up. <laughs> grow up when you're four. Right. <laughs> I, I've, I've met people like that and I'm like, 
Yeah, all right. I mean, you, you keep being petty. I'm going to go keep living my life. <laughs> <laughs> it's just one of those things. But um, back to your topic about, was it E-League and big FGC moments, right? Yeah, and um, do you think that, um, you know, with, with all the coverage, especially from groups like E-League and, you know, uh, Evil and whatnot, do you think that they're um, – are they able to really draw more people into the scene and maintain that? I think that it's it's only going to grow and get better over the next coming few years because with fighting games, like the, the appeal is growing more day by day. And mm-hmm. that's where I think um, Dragon Ball Fighters has done really well because Dragon Ball as a series has always been a massive one, regardless of the quality of the games they put out. It's always they, they always make money. They yeah. always make a lot of money. Why? Is it because of the gameplay? No, it's simply because it has Dragon Ball in the title. So now that um, Dragon Ball is clearly appealing and it's bri- it's somewhat bridging the fighting game community with the anime community together. Mm-hmm. Like what we have here is really special and it's huge. I think that I know a lot of people are kind of not thinking it because I. This is really underrepresented. Sonic Fox is going to be the new Daigo for the USA. Like Sonic Fox has been ridiculously good for NRS games. He's been so strong. He went over to MVCI, dominated. Went over to Street Fighter V, did extremely well. And he didn't so much dominate the scene as he did really, really like he fought against some of the best players in the world. And he's done extremely, extremely well. But the thing is, like, a lot of people... Oh, wait, sorry, give me one second. Okay. Um, like, the thing is, with Sonic Fox, is that he's really, really done a lot. Um, at one of the most recent tournaments before he got beaten by Goichi, he was playing against Chris G. Chris G put him in losers... And he fought his entire way out of losers into winners' finals against him and beat Chris G, the person who put him in the losers' bracket. And I think a lot of people are kind of forgetting at how, like, he's, he's very, very good. And mm. I think if anyone can kind of have that big, epic comeback moment that really does bring in more people, it's definitely him. Because so Sonic has done really... He's done a lot of stuff that's been really, really good for the scene. Whether or not you like him because of his somewhat fairy persona, like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't yeah. matter. Like, he's done so much for the scene in the time he has. Like, I, I, I don't want to bring it up because it's old news, but his 13-0 against Perfect Legend will be forever cemented with Perfect Legend. That that, mm-hmm. And it just goes to show that... He's made that much of an impact, regardless of the persona he puts on, regardless of what he wears. That that boy has done a lot for the scene. Amazing. <laughs> like honestly, like I think if anyone can really push it, at least in the West, it's definitely him. It's definitely him. Because um, <clears throat> I know that there's something about Sonic Fox. I I don't know what it is, but whatever he he can pick up and play, he makes it work. Yeah, that, makes it really, really work. That's an amazing skill to have too, because it's, it's so it's, good. Especially when you're you're transitioning, you know, different fighting uh, mechanics and systems that don't, you know, really flow well into each other that well. But 
Yeah, that, like they don't correspond the same way, and he he, God knows how he makes it work, but by <laughs> God, he does. Exactly, man. That that's that's amazing. And you know, speaking of um, people in the FGC, so the FGC it also draws very, very, very heavy criticism, in the sense that many say it's played with a very toxic elitist type of community that you know often prevents newcomers from uh getting into the fighting game genre to feel welcome uh do you find that this is really a reality of the fgc or is it more of a inflated rumor uh i think it is it's a bit of both um as we said with the whole um twitter thing there's always going to be people that are going to try and push their own agenda with that. And I think it comes down to the individual at the end of the day to like whether or not they decide they want to kind of, I'm not, I don't want to say get good, but get a better understanding of fundamentals in the game. And I think a lot of people these days are like really sensitive to criticism, like um, even constructive criticism, people yeah. do get, they tend to get quite upset about it. But I think like, if you if you're willing to learn, you need to understand that not everything you pick up and you touch, you're instantly going to be good at. Like mm-hmm. um, I was looking at um, a thread for Dark Souls Remastered, mm-hmm. and there were people saying, "Oh, this game's going to kill me. It's going to blah 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 me." But instead of people actually giving tips or ways of like you know working, literally every thumbs up voted comment was get good. That, that was literally it. And I'm just kind of like, it, elitism just doesn't exist in fighting games. It exists everywhere because yeah. people think it. I guess in that respect, people think they're kind of funny when they do that because they think they're a meme. But I'm just kind of like, that is like the most self-centered and obnoxious thing you can do. I feel like that is just, and that in itself feels like somewhat criticism you're adding nothing to the conversation. You just want to be funny. If you're not going to add anything to it, don't be in the conversation at all. Yeah, agreed. Um, I think with the whole elitism, though, I do think that does exist. Um, again, like, like I said, uh, I think that's just going to be part of any community. But I think as well, you need to kind of not look at just negativity like mm-hmm. there, there's a lot of positivity there's a lot of people who are willing to help you if you're willing to learn um <clears throat> hence why um like you have combo videos online teaching you strings and stuff which you might have not learned about because yeah you know it's they're not holding your hand to make you do it you do it in your own time but and if you like mess it up and you you can't get it that is technically on you but that's not necessarily to say it's like you should beat yourself up about it. Come back stronger, maybe get some air. You know, it's it's one of those things where it's just kind of like, if you have willingness to learn, then I can understand that. But toxicity is always going to be a thing with every single community. Like, yeah. if the Dark Souls thread, like, I mean, it's Dark Souls anyway. If that's proven, <laughs> if that's taught me anything, it's that regardless of whatever community you get in, it's going to be really, it's going to have toxic people and then there's going to be people who are willing to learn and want to get better anyway. Yeah. But I don't know. It's just, it's a bit of a weird, hazy, hazy, hazy one for me. Yeah. That's an excellent response, man. I, I appreciate <clears> that. I, I see both sides of it. I agree with you fully. I think it's, it's a bit of both. And especially uh, in the tournaments I've entered out here in Hawaii, uh, ones I've entered when I was in 
Washington State and Oregon. Um, you're going to get both, you know, mm-hmm. and it's true, like not even just in gaming, but I mean, in just about everything, like it's it's there. It's just part of it. Um, and it's like you said, like a lot of people are very sensitive to criticism and you know, sometimes just people just need to have tough, tough, thicker skin, you know, facts. Yeah, I, I just think <laughs> that if people are more willing to learn, I yeah. think that is fine. I do think that um, because I, I, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm very anti-PC culture because mm-hmm. I, I don't like to curse and stuff like that. And I don't like to use slurs too often. But mm-hmm. I think in that respect, it's that a lot of people have grown up with a whole kind of PC kind of you need to be really overtly sensitive you need to blah 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 and I I think that is a that that has affected a lot of people in quite a negative way in the sense that literally anything can set people off these days and I think that unfortunately that that's just how some people are kind of wired now Um, even in my comment section literally I'm not joking yesterday I got a comment saying Oh, you pronounced the name Azazel wrong. I'm going to dislike every one of your videos. And I'm just kind of like... Really? Yeah. No, literally. That is the extent that some people will actually go to. Because they either... Because some people are so overtly sensitive or offended by literally the smallest thing. I think that's why I'm kind of become anti-PC from actually... The YouTube comment section alone has made me become very anti-PC. Because I'm just kind of like... People are so willing to get upset over the smallest thing that it's it, at this point in time. I'm just kind of like it, it's it's either petty to me or it's stupid. Like um, that that's why I am a massive advocate for Street uh, Soul Calibur Six. It's because they've gone back to the original character designs, and people are saying like, um, "Oh, look at how." Um, over-sexualized Ivy is when people forget that it's a reboot of the first game, not some kind of pandering nonsense. Yeah, but, like I, I'm a I'm a massive stance on that because I I think people are more willing to judge than they are to actually learn. Yeah, so it, it it's so stupid. Sorry, I went on a little bit of a rant there. No, but it's fine. It's fine, it, dude. Organic conversations will lead you that direction. <laughs> <laughs> but it's literally it's one of those things and. Be fair, the whole Ivy argument with that respect, it's so stupid. It's so stupid. I'm, I'm not going to get into it because I know I'm going to piss a bunch of people off with where I stand on that. But, um, that, so. you know, and, and speaking about the like the oversexualization of, of women in games, I know this is not a question that I actually had lined up, but mm. it's something that I'm noticing in this whole trend of, I'm going to say, feminism. I'm not against feminism in the sense of the second wave where they wanted equality. I am against the sense of feminism where everything is offensive to them. Mm. You know, it's it's especially I when it comes to, you know, especially when it comes to gaming. It's like these characters were made a certain way to appeal to a certain type of person. Like, do you, is is all of it right? No, but it's a video game. <laughs> I, I, like I said, it, it's with the whole kind of... Originally, it most likely started off as a positive thing, yeah. but then people hijacked it and essentially tried, uh, tried, tried to twist their own uh, agenda 
into it and it, yeah. it unfortunately um with stuff like that it does taint the pool because yeah. i think that is a majority i i know people might be upset if i say this i don't think that's kind of majority of what cosplay has become now um it really is. i i i love cosplay i love a lot of these costumes and stuff that people do make i think uh as as much shit as jessica negri does get i think she makes some fucking great costumes yeah. but i i can't i can't deny that she she does put quite a lot on display for people and it has like a lot and i mean sex sells but there's no denying that and understandably other cosplayers have understood this and they've 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 kind of taken it to that step where Jessica Negri has the line, but and they've just they've gone way beyond that, way yeah. way beyond that. So, like I said, it, it's just, of course, things start off with honest intentions, and then there's individuals that kind of taint that pool. And sometimes, if they see a trend work out, and it's kind of like, oh, I want to follow that trend as well. I can be the next Jessica Negri. Then yeah. you know they're, they're they're gonna by God they will try. Yeah, it, it's just one of those things. It's one of those things. It's just this is the trend. Um, I, with me, I'm just kind of like do whatever you want to do, as long as it doesn't hurt or offend anyone. But the, don't don't be stupid about it, you know. Exactly, I agree. Um, yeah, that that's that's and folks who are listening and watching, that is our rant on that topic. Yeah, I, I know we went on a completely <laughs> different tangent there, but. Um, <laughs> Like, I mean, that that we had to basically talk a little bit there about PC culture and just go into it a little bit. I I don't talk about it a lot. I'm very anti PC at this point in my life because uh, they just YouTube the YouTube comment section has done that to me. They yeah. now you know why the YouTube comment section is considered as the most cancerous place in the world because I've heard and I've heard everything in that place. It is terrible. I still check it out because. I love my fan base. I love to hear what they have to say. I really, really do. But man, of course, like like I said, you're always going to get a few like sour apples in the bunch. Yeah, and it's it it really does. It it makes you just get to that point. You're like, mm, okay, I like you said, it's either childish or idiotic. It's this is one of the two. It's. <laughs> It's hilarious, but it's also really stupid. It's just it's one of those things, man. <laughs> All right, so we about, we're going to segue into another topic that actually might be a little controversial, uh, especially given the fact that a lot of my viewers are very big Nintendo fans, especially when it comes to Smash Brothers. But Smash Brothers, is it often, it is often considered by many as a great fighting game, Yet, on the other hand, there's a vocal majority of those, myself included, who also view Smash as nothing more than a party game. What is your take on the status of Smash being part of the fighting game genre? Me, myself, it's really weird because I've never actually played Smash. So I'm not actually too familiar with it. Mm -hmm. But I know this argument has been going on for a while. Now, do, do I think... I've I think the game originally started out as a party game and then people started to like put it more into the fighting game genre. And ever since then, it's kind of been bridging the community into the fighting game genre and people have been saying yes and people saying no. 
and what I have to say about it is literally do whatever like if, if you want it to be a fighting game because there's fighting game aspects fair enough you can play at a somewhat competitive level that I'm not going to go against that if people like it they like it you know um, it's only because I don't have a proper opinion of Smash Brothers myself outside of like the stuff I do here that people I've heard like stuff about these two different sides. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> now, um, it the thing is, I think every fighting game that started off from like the nineties and stuff never s- began with the intentions of being esports because yeah. at that time esports was never a thing. But can it evolve into like? that area can it be bridged into it yeah sure i i don't see why it shouldn't plus i'm i'm always going to be a massive advocate for growing the fighting game community and some people may like this some people may not but the thing is is that the more people we have in this community and the more people that can talk about it and kind of bring it to another large level is something that i i thoroughly do support and Like the like fighting game communities, we I wouldn't say we're huge. Like we're esports at the moment. We're doing good, but we still. The thing is, we can't be cutting off other communities because oh, like this is this originally wasn't a fighting game, and oh, this is a fighting game. Like mm-hmm. the bigger the community, the better. Like that, that's why. Um, as hilarious as some of the rage quit memes are for Dragon Ball Fighters, like. I'm happy that at least the anime fighters have come across with the willingness to learn. And although like the gradual acceptance into the community is going to take a while, uh, I'm at least glad that they are invested, Mm. you know? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I I agree with that. Um, I know when it comes to smash, like I don't ever try to put it down and just argue with people like, Oh, uh, it's just a fight. It's just a, a party game. And, and I try to explain to people, I remember back in 1999 when it first came out, I remember the commercials, I remember playing it and playing it with people who just played it for fun. And it was like, oh, okay, this is kind of like an all-star collaboration for Nintendo. And, mm-hmm. you know, same thing with Melee. I think Melee was not meant to be as big as it was. It was like, hey, we need a launch title. <laughs> And so, you know, and it grew. Melee became their most, I think it still is to many people, one of their most successful entries. And then they came out with Brawl, and Brawl brought on the online component, and then you had the last one that came out, 4. And I think, you know, I am impressed with how far it's come. And I'm amazed at it, because from someone who watched it when it came out in 99, I never would have dreamed it would be where it is now. And I respect mm. the people that are really good at it, that are really amazing at it. Um, I just really honestly can't stand anytime I look up a Nintendo channel, everyone's like stressing and, and worrying over who's going to be included in this entry of the game. It's like... Yeah, I, I can stand that. Like, <laughs> I think that's it with a lot of like fighting games in general as well like yeah i'd be fair i'd be quite guilty if i said that i wasn't one of those individuals that thought mm, that'd be nice to make a video on this individual see what what we can get from it but i think it's one of those things where I, i'd like to be surprised i like to be, be surprised a lot mm-hmm. 
So I tend to avoid that kind of stuff. That's hence why I, I guess I do make quite a bit of prediction videos instead of videos um, talking about any rumors and stuff like that, because I'd much rather be surprised than just kind of like, oh, hey, I, I knew about this before this, this and that. I'm just kind of like, I, I, that's why um, I've kind of a bit of a role with uh, movie trailers. Uh, mm -hmm. The first official trailer for a film that drops, the first one is the one I watch. I don't watch any other promotional bits of material because I, I want to be going in there surprised. Mm -hmm. So the same thing in that respect kind of does work for games for me. I, I want to be surprised. Hence why I don't like, um, <clears throat> I don't report on every single bit of news that's heard or said. I know my friend Dynasty does, and he, he really, um, <clears throat> he's really, really good at that. I ain't knocking him for it. But mm -hmm. I myself, I like to be surprised. I like to, ex I would say, expect the, not expect the unexpected in that respect. Mm -hmm. it's, it's one of those things. But I understand where you're definitely coming from because it's YouTube. The, the, the site is littered with videos like that. Yeah, and it's like one of the things I've noticed, especially in the Nintendo community, is there's a lot of overhyping. And then when Nintendo doesn't do what the, the community wants, there's just disarray. Yeah. And it's like the people like, I mean, case in point, like with so many of them that are, they were doing the uh, Nintendo Direct uh, uh, guessing and they're like, oh, what's going to be on this Direct? And then they're upset that, oh, there's so many Wii U ports. And then, like, I'll go in and ask these same people that are making these videos about how they're disappointed with it. And I'm like, well, here's a question I have for you guys. Like, um, did you play this on the Wii U? No. Well, you know, the Wii U only had an install base of about 11 million people. Yeah, so mm -hmm. the games they had were really good. And as a business, if you make a good product, you kind of want to get the most money you can out of it. And it's a cheap port. <laughs> Mm, I can understand that. So it's like, you know, there's that and then the people that, that hate the fact that the 3DS is still alive and they're like, it needs to die and this, this, and this. And I'm like, well, 3DS did keep them afloat. And if you understand how Nintendo treats handhelds, they run quite a long time. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, you know, it's the armchair analyst thing, especially in the Nintendo community, that just really gets to me. And you know, I, I sometimes with with that community in general, I have to just step away and just mm. disassociate my myself for a while. But yeah, I mean, like the videos, I put it this way: a lot of their videos, once something's revealed, there it's a moot point. Like there's no point in even going mm -hmm. back and watching it. But like prediction videos, like you and like others do in other games and genres they can actually stand the test of time because they are, you know, they're still relevant. They're, there's a good perspective going into, hey, this could happen. This person could be in this game versus the doom and gloom that a lot of the Nintendo community does. And it's just, I, I appreciate the way that you guys go about it. Oh, no, thank you. It's just, I'm not too familiar with the Nintendo community myself because I've never been a... Uh... Well, as you probably tell from what I told you earlier, I haven't I haven't played a lot of video games up until I was sixteen. Yeah. So um I'm not initially too familiar with that um type of fan base, but I will take your word for it. 
And um, speaking of which, um, I, it, um, it's neither here nor there, but do you think or do you feel that the Smash community is toxic or are they passionate about their preferred game? Oh, oh. I, I, that's a tough one. Not because it's Smash, but I think that's kind of with fighting games in general and a, a very recent event um, between Goichi and Minot happened. I'm not sure if you heard about that. I have. Basically, for those of you who aren't too familiar, uh, Goichi was playing against, uh, was it Minard or Minard? I can't remember. It's one of the, I think it's because I've been around Street Fighter too much. But basically, the Capcom yeah, Cup yeah. winner uh, ended up um, playing, playing against Goichi. And Goichi was, Goichi was playing Minard, and it was Abigail versus Minard. Oh my god. Um, we were talking about this earlier as well. And Basically, during the entire matchup, Goichi was being harassed by, um, I say, I wouldn't say he was, we should say it's more harassed, as he had someone screaming behind him, was friend. Yeah, I see. Yeah. Like, yeah he had this, uh, the Capcom champion basically had his friend there, and his friend was supporting him, but was supporting him in such a way that it was affecting other players because he was practically screaming into other people's ears. Mm-hmm. And fair enough, it, like it, it's your friend, you, you want to support them. But it if like you have to scream into people's ears to do that, that, that there's no denying that that in itself can be pretty damn toxic. And I think that that situation just goes to show that it's not just uh like the smash community that can be toxic i feel like every community has some form of toxicity because um <clears throat> people kind of like to be bitter and hold on to grudges or people people just like to do things that are dickish and think that they can get away with it at times yeah um i think that every ca- every player is passionate but there's a fine line between passion and toxicity. And I feel like if if people can't work past that fine line, then, you know, that that's a massive problem. That's yeah. a massive, massive problem. Because there, there's nothing worse than getting <clears throat> someone who has won first place in, some, in something who is completely toxic. Because the last thing any, I think any community would want is the advocate who always wins majors who is the most toxic individual because that will completely kill a scene. Yeah. You know, you, you, you don't want someone like I put in the street fighter respect. If someone was to defeat like anyone in top eight and was an individual to throw out racial slurs or any kind of negative stuff canned can the entire scene would be canned yeah. because that person would have negativity around them and it'd be going to every single tournament. So that's why I think like people need to differentiate the difference between passion, like passion and toxicity. And sometimes some people don't know that and they need to be told that. Yeah. So I, I guess for the whole conversation about whether or not the Smash community is toxic or passionate, that's one that it's a scene that I'm not too familiar with. But like I, I hope for their sake that they have a good advocate and someone who can represent them well. Because I, I, I'm not too familiar with Leffen. I know about him. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm, I'm not exactly sure what goes on in that scene, in all honesty. You're not missing much. 
Oh, shout out to Video Gamers Hawaii. That's uh, the crew that I'm with out here. Uh, the fight game community that's here. Uh, they, they just popped up in the, the chat. So, hey, guys. Hello. Awesome fans of you. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, person. I can't see the person's name. Person community. <laughs> <Yeah>. Person community. <laughs> oh, man. So, um, when it comes to fighting games, do you mm. feel it's best to play with a fight stick or fight pad, and why? For either, or, and, or both. Well, here's the thing. Um, I've actually been a pad player the entire time I've been playing fighting games. But recently, when I went to the Soul Calibur Six event, I picked up a stick properly, and I was playing Soul Calibur Six with it. And I don't know if it's the gameplay of Soul Calibur Six or it was the stick, but it has got me looking at, like, sticks that actually buy at the moment. I have my eyes on the Quamba Crystal and Obsidian. Mm-hmm. And, like, I, I really want to get a stick because I want to see what it's like. Like, I enjoyed playing it thoroughly. Thoroughly. Mm-hmm. Whether or not, like, which one's better, I think that comes down to games. I think that with particular games it plays better. I don't think I could... I think the main reason why I've always struggled with Street Fighters because I've never played it on stick. And I think that's my problem because of it. Mm-hmm. I think that with like NRS games, you do not need stick. You can play it on a pad at a very high level. I think even um, the last year's Evo champions, uh, not CR Dragon, it's something Dragon now. Basically, he ended up winning by a pad. And I think it's just it just comes with different fighting games, um, <clears throat> which benefits the other. Uh, I've been playing Blaz Blue, as I've said, a bit recently. Mm-hmm. And... I'm just kind of like, I really like this game, but I suck because I feel like I'd benefit more from a pad. Uh, not pad, um, stick, sorry. Mm-hmm. So um, it, it's one of those things. Um, I, I, I really, really want to play a stick because I, I think it's just, it gives you a whole different, what's it repertoire? It just gives you a different outlook on how you can approach a fighting game, really. And I think that's something that... I really, really want, because for me at the moment, I'm taking a little bit of a back seat from playing fighting games. I'm just trying to relax a little bit more. But, um, like, literally, like, fight sticks, I'm really, really interested in. Hopefully, you can get a sponsorship with Quamba. That'll be so good. Do but it. Really, really, <laughs> really. Um, I, I enjoy pad for the most part. I've been playing pad the entire li- my entire life. So, unfortunately, for which one does better for me personally, I have to say pad. But, for one that I'm really interested at getting better at and getting a better understanding at, definitely looking at stick for sure. I am complete trash with stick. I have three sticks. <laughs> I have three. And every time, I, because every time I go on GameStop and I see something there, like, I'm like, I gotta get it. I gotta get it. And then I play with it and I'm complete trash. <laughs> But, you know, I've got this determination. I'm like, I need to get better. It's one of the things, like, you know, shout out to the Video Games Hawaii. Um, every time I've gone to one of their events, like, the community is super, super amazing. And, like, if you need help with anything, like, with Tekken, Street Fighter, Dragon Ball Fighter Z, like, if you're trying to just get good with pad and stick, they will help you. Like, that's they are one of the most amazing fighting communities I've ever been part of. And I'm not saying it because I'm friends with them and because I know they're in the chat. I'm just saying that, you know, just being completely honest. I, yeah. I've dealt with a lot of negative FGC and video games mm-hmm. Hawaii are definitely the top tier. 
amazing group I've ever dealt with. No, that's good, though, because I feel like um, with fighting games in general, there aren't enough advocates to kind of push that kind of uh, whole arcade, like, pad and stick thing. Mm-hmm. So, like, massive shout-outs to... Oh, wait, I'm, I swear I'm going to get the name of it, because I'm looking at chat. Video Gamers <laughs> Hawaii. Yeah. Like, massive shout-outs to them for, you know, bridging that whole gap. I think that's a massive, massive important thing. And <clears throat> it's a great way of helping the community grow. Like, honestly, uh, I've always been a massive advocate for kind of helping grow the community. And the more stuff I see like that, the happier I am. Yeah. Honestly, it's really, really good stuff. Definitely, man. So um, <laughs> what advice would you give to someone looking to get in, that's looking to get into fighting games and also those who currently play um, but would like to get better or it, and or play competitively? I think the first thing you have to do is find a game that appeals to you. I think that is the massive, massive thing because there's no point playing Street Fighter Five or Four if you're interested in Mortal Kombat. And the same thing can say, be said vice versa. Like if you find one like you you like the look of, mm-hmm. pick it up, play it. But you also, if you want to get better, like I mentioned earlier, you have to have a willingness to learn. And if you yeah. if you don't, then at the end of the day, like you are, you're not helping yourself. Yeah, I think a massive, a massive thing you have to do is always kind of wait. So I need to kind of, but it's still my chest. But um, <clears throat> the thing is, is, we're getting like, conversations lead to birds too. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> um, for like bridging the gap, it will always be something quite difficult. It's never easy. But the best thing I can say is if you're starting off, stay offline, get a better feel for who you like to play. I think that's always an important thing. Mm-hmm. Don't play a character that you're not interested in. Don't play them. Don't look at tier list and say, I'm going to pick that one because he's top tier. Because the yeah. second you say that and you go online and you get bodied by someone who has a better neutral than you, you're going to be you're going to be like, I shouldn't have lost that match. I was playing a top tier character. Don't worry about that. Play the character you like. Like during the beginning of Injustice Two, I picked up Bane. Bane in like Injustice Two is not considered too too strong because of like the repercussions he gets from using Venom. But the thing is, I picked him up and I played him for a long amount of time for the, the only one reason, which was he's a fun character to play. I I like playing grapplers. So that's why I ended up picking up that character. I really, really enjoyed him. Is is he the most sound in the game's meta? No, but I'm, I'd rather play a game and enjoy the individual who I'm playing than just play a character because lol, top tier. Yeah. You know? I, I think that if... And also, after you find a character you like, best advice I can say, go down and find a local scene for yourself. Play against people who are better than you and learn. That's how... Yeah. I managed to get way, way better. Yeah. Awesome, man. So I got one last question for you. And then once I said, we can get into the Q&A section. So make sure everyone in the chat, make sure that uh, you have your questions ready. Because we're going we're gonna to roll through this. The last question I have is, what is your advice for those that are looking to get into YouTube, uh, Twitch, Mixer, and the like, and or be content creators and or streamers? Like, the best advice I have to say is know what you're getting yourself into before you do it. Uh, <clears throat> also be open to criticism, but most importantly, 
don't be your typical generic go of the mill type of stuff. Um, <clears throat> the reason I say that is because um, I'm bringing up my cousin here. Uh, my cousin had his own YouTube channel for a long amount of time. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, he, he wanted to do it and he was really happy with doing it. But the problem he had was his channel, unfortunately, didn't pan out because he wasn't open to criticism. Because he he didn't want to conform. He was more happy with following what other people did than setting trends himself. Yeah. I'm from what I've known, I was the first fighting game community member to bring up like fiction and origin stories to actually put that stuff out there. Which is why, you know, people were attracted to my stuff because I was the first individual to actually do that properly. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately for my cousin, is that he was more set on making a let's play uh, personality, I say somewhat personality driven channel. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, there's like 50 million other people who do that in the same genre. Yeah. So to stick out like a sore thumb, like you, you need to do something ridiculous. And yeah. I, I think that that's the problem. Um, <clears throat> you need to not be very generic you need to come up with an original idea make sure that people are interested in said idea and the most important part if you actually want to you know get a bit of a following behind you Mm -hmm. as we've said before in this strike while the iron's hot yeah because i i I always said to my cousin because he was interested in playing games like pokemon red and stuff People aren't looking for that kind of stuff in YouTube. Yeah. No, no one, no, no offense to people who play older games, but in the media eyes, no one gives a single fuck about Pokemon Red, Blue, or Yellow in this day and age. They're more, it, it, like, there are zero searches for those games. If I type in Red Dead Redemption 2, I'll make a video on that. People are going to be attracted to more so attracted to that because it's a more recent game. Like, no one gives... Like, people can enjoy retro games, but in the eyes of what's popular, no one gives a shit. Yeah. I mean, it, it's literally one of those things. Like, if you are more interested in making what you have a business, you need to know what people want to see. And I, I think um, the most important thing you have to do is be very much so in touch with your community, what people want to see and what people want to know. Yeah. That's why with a lot of my Soul Calibur videos, I don't determine like next week's episode. I leave that to the community to decide my comment section because that's what they want to see. I think that's the most important thing that people have to understand. It's like, <clears throat> if you give people the power of wanting to watch something, and you make it, they'll be very happy with what you make. Okay. Definitely so. Um... And it really comes down to it. it's it's economics, it's supply and demand. Yeah, it's it's literally uh, unfortunately with how the YouTube algorithm system also works, you you not only have to make sure that what you put out is good, but you need to kind of be business smart. Yeah, like that. If you if you don't become, yeah, say if you don't become business smart, if you look at what's hot on the market, then you know what will work. That's why um, you see a bunch of YouTube channels essentially um, making these intro dialogue videos that go on for about 20 or 30 minutes long. 
because they know that people want to see that. Is it original content? No, but people want to see it. it it's it's one of those things. It's like it has a market in itself, and fair enough to you if you actually do that. I used to do that, but my god, do those videos take ages to record? Yeah. Um, and one of the other things I see a lot of uh, YouTubers do for clicks is um, clickbaiting. And that's something I meant to ask you about earlier. What are your thoughts? Because I know you don't do it, but what are your thoughts on the YouTubers that do clickbaiting to, you know? Um, it depends. Um be fair these days, my title, I haven't seen my titles. I say my thumbnails are a bit clickbaity at this point because I feel like at this point with the YouTube market and how I wouldn't say it's, it's quite difficult to put a name out there. You need to kind of make your thumbnails stand out, but mm -hmm. I'm, I'm okay with clickbait if you have earned the title to clickbait. I don't like, <clears throat> cause like sex cells. If if a character has boobs, it's not like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna have that be the sole fact as to why that's in the thumbnail. If that individual's there, there's no doubt that I'll probably use that to my advantage. But in saying that, like if if it puts money in my mouth and does pay my bills, I understandably will do so. But the thing is I'm not gonna clickbait it to like Mortal Kombat X, Scorpion X, Melina XXX, what? Like, I think, I think that's the kind of obnoxious stuff where I kind of walk that fine line. Um, I'm perfectly fine with clickbait as long as it's done right, I guess, which is kind of weird for me to say that. Um, <clears throat> cause at the very beginning when I started, I didn't want to clickbait my videos, but with how YouTube has essentially like become this, uh, how can I describe it? this bloodthirsty monster, I guess, in that sense, <laughs> um, of whether or not how much money you make. I've, I think, unfortunately, a lot of people have had to conform in order to actually make a livelihood, which is a shame, because um, if that wasn't the case, then I, I don't think clickbait would be quite a prominent thing. But I'm saying that a lot of people are on YouTube for the sole reason of just making money instead of actually doing it out of a passion. Yeah, that's very true. But um, um, clickbait isn't isn't too much of a bad thing for me. Um, I I just think that if it's done right, it, it it's it's done right. That's why I don't have a problem with a lot of Max's videos that are somewhat clickbait because <laughs> I think because I mean he's been on the site for a decade. Do you, like he has earned a right to clickbait for God's sake. He's put so much time and work into his stuff. He consistently uploads. It's not like he uploads jank content either he he actually puts an effort into his stuff which is why i which is why like i say clickbait now isn't quite as different as clickbait back then i say like if what you have in your title and your thumbnail is completely unrelated to what you were talking about in your video then that is pure clickbait at its finest yeah i've seen a lot of that where people will just um the 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 title has nothing at all to do with the video. Like, I don't mind if, if they do the clickbait title of, oh, is it good? Does it suck? And they actually talk about the game in detail, like the pros and cons. But then there are channels where they just clickbait just so you can watch it and it has nothing. It, it's, it's trolling. You know, yeah. 
it's it's I think a lot of people do it because they know they'll get the views either because they have the following or they just want the money. That's okay. why um uh I'm gonna quickly talk about Jake Paul here. He recently put up I say recently, he put up a thumbnail a while ago with basically a girl pretty much riding him wearing nothing. But he managed to get away with it for some reason. And I and what he had in the title and the thumbnail had was associated with nothing in the video. It was complete garbage. It's it's just one of those things. I I don't know what it is with those like that is pure clickbait. I perfect like I said, perfectly fine with clickbait long as it's associated with the title and the thumbnail. Outside of that, oh it's just eh. <laughs> <laughs> eh pretty much sums it up for me perfectly. <laughs> All right, so we got some questions in the chat. Um there was one earlier from us. Uh, also, Jiggly, I guess he's not, I'm not sure if he's still here or not, but he wanted to ask if uh, you like Virtua Fighter. You know what? I I really like what I see from Virtual Fighter, but I've never had the opportunity to play it. I want to actually get around to playing Virtual Fighter. It's just, it's one of those things where I've just never had the opportunity because, again, I was introduced to gaming, like, way down the line, more than I should have been. So, like, if I have the opportunity to actually go back and play it, I absolutely will get the chance to. Okay, I'll I'll send you a link. Um, on uh, I'll probably send you a DM with uh, also Jiggly's uh, video. He made one his most popular video, where he it's uh, basically he says that Virtua Fighter is deeper, and I guess better than Tekken. And it's a pretty, really good, really good uh, video where he goes into the technical mechanics of it, um, mm-hmm. the fluidity of it. And he has got a lot of hate for that video. But he makes a sound mm-hmm. argument. So I'll, I'll send it to you. Yeah, no, you I'll be actually really open to hearing that because um, that sounds quite interesting, actually. Um, <clears throat> because mechanically, uh, Tekken to me has always been quite sound. But if there's something that's a little bit more... Old, I guess I'd be interested in taking a look at that. Absolutely, yeah. Because the, the thing is, I think as well with um, some people like that. Um, when you make a video comparing one, that's why I've never done. I've always wanted to do a Tekken Seven versus Injustice Two video. But regardless of whichever community wins or whether or not it's a tie, people are going to be upset because you're comparing one thing to the other. Uh, props to the person who you're talking about, though, for being brave enough to do that, because I, I would not touch that. Because I know, I know, like I said, YouTube comment section, it's it's kind of toxic. I tend to avoid it. But um, no, props to that, man. That's pretty, really, really, really good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> I wouldn't do that because, I mean, I, I, I bad press of particular people anyway, but... You know, props to him. <laughs> All right, so we got another question, one from Liquid Metal. He wanted to ask, uh, do you think we will ever have a completely new IP or fighting game that will be as popular and iconic as Street Fighter or Mortal Kombat? Hmm. I think it's always possible. If people can get behind it and people really, really want it to work, it's it's always going to be indeed possible. Um <clears throat> I think Dragon Ball might... I wouldn't, It's not really a new IP, I guess, because it's Dragon Ball. But I believe if something was that sound and people really wanted to get behind it, I think it's possible. It, there's no reason it shouldn't be. And with 
um, kind of Capcom, again, I don't want to bad talk Capcom, but with the kind of downward slope they're kind of going on now publicly, um, I think that someone, if, if they don't like fix up and like basically bring up their reputation again, I think someone's going to take that spot. Yeah. I agree with you on that. Yeah, um, I, I, it's a shame, really. It's a shame, really, because really, I'm, I'm a massive advocate for Capcom. Like, I, I, I criticize them a lot, but it's not like I, I don't crit. How to put? It? I don't criticize them for the sake of criticizing them. I criticize them because I want to see them do much, much better than what they are. And I think right now they're they're taking the right steps, but they need to take bigger steps, basically. Yeah, yeah you're right. Video Gamers Hawaii um, has a question. MK11, Ooh. E3 reveal or Evil reveal? What can you say? What do you know that you can't say? <laughs> I wish I did. I really wish I did. Um, E3, because E3 is, I'm pretty sure it's before Evo. E3 June. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Evo yeah. is uh, August, right? Yeah, early August. Because I was, like I said, I originally was going to go, but I kind of decided uh, to scrap it at last minute because I was just kind of like, I haven't got enough money and there's not exactly games I want to play there. So I think that um, Evo will be where they have some demos set up for early access because actually later that month I'll be going to Gamescom in Germany. Mm-hmm. So I think that MK11 will definitely be a thing next year. This year they'll probably throw out some teasers and some early demos to play at. But um, <clears throat> right now, it, it's it's hard to say. But with how like NRS kind of cycle their games through and stuff, I think it's definitely the next like game that the studio is going to make. Definitely. All right. Um, I guess I don't see any more questions. I, th- I feel like we've been covering so much that any questions the, the audience may have had have already been answered. Possibly. <laughs> Possibly. Um, th- this has been a, a lot of fun uh, for me. And, you know, I, I'm again, I got to say, man, I'm really honored to have you on this uh, this podcast, this live stream, to have you on my channel, man. That's, that's oh, such an honor for me. <laughs> The pleasure's been all mine, man. No, thank you for having me on here. I've really, really thoroughly enjoyed this. Thoroughly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, d- d- we definitely got to do this again, I- I'm pretty sure. And by the end of next week, or this week, rather, I'm pretty sure you're going to be at that over 200,000 sus- subscribers, man. I'm very confident. One can pray. One can pray, yeah. man. Uh, oh, actually, we got another question. One Ooh. last question. Uh, Liquid Metal, he asks, if you could meet a game dev, who would you like to meet and what would you ask? You know what? It's always going to have to go. I'm going to have to be biased and say Ed Boon. Um, the, the really biased thing is, is that my girlfriend's dad actually runs Gamescom. So it's the thing at the end of August. And oh, wow, I, really? I, yeah. So I got really lucky with my girlfriend. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> at the end of the month um, of August, I'm hoping, I'm really hoping I can run into him because I get to go there early on the press days. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm hoping, like, that, that in itself is like a dream come true because, like, although I've played other games, Mortal Kombat has been the game where I kind of started. And to meet someone who essentially paved way 
to not only like the games I love, but also mm-hmm. my livelihood, which because a lot of my channel was Mortal Kombat based, like mine will be blown. I'm gonna it's gonna be so hard not to fan out like if I actually get to meet him and shake his hand. Like uh I'm gonna embarrass myself so bad. <laughs> oh man. You gotta meet um if you meet Ed Boone, you need to meet uh Tobias as well. I hope so. The thing is, um I don't think Tobias is associated with NRS anymore. I think I thought, he... I thought they uh 'cause I know they fell out for a long while. And he I don't left think... or something. Didn't I don't think they so much fill out, but um, I think Ed wanted to keep doing stuff with Midway, but John wanted to pursue more of a comic book writing stance, because I know he wrote a lot of the Mortal Kombat stuff. Yeah. So I think they decided to separate because Ed wanted to keep doing Mortal Kombat, but Midway wasn't doing too great, and John wanted to do his own thing. <clears throat> I, th- I think that's how it goes anyway. Don't hold me to that. Okay. But, um, I, think that, I think that's roughly how it goes. Okay, definitely. Um, yeah, we don't have any other questions. So, man, again, thank you. It has been quite the honor. Uh, it's been great, man. Thank you again. <laughs> uh, I've thoroughly enjoyed having you on the show. I'm confident you're going to hit 200,000 subscribers and be well over that before this week is over. Mm-hmm. And, man, I definitely got to get you back on the podcast again. The audience loved you. They loved oh. having you on here. I loved having you on here. You know, we, we got to do it again. Um, bit, I got to seal your line. If we can get this to, what do you say, 500 likes? Yeah. I've never gotten <laughs> to 500 likes, but I would love to get to 500 <laughs> likes. I would love to grow my channel more and just be able to, you know, work with more people. Like, I have mm-hmm. fun being able to have these organic conversations with people, coming up with the questions. The, the hardest thing for me is actually coming up with the questions because usually I'll come up with them an hour or two before the podcast. Mm-hmm. And I'll just yeah. like, what I'll do is I'll, I'll watch a lot of the content creators co- uh, content and just I'll like, okay, I can ask this question. I can ask this. And way I can get a feel for their, you know, their, their, their content, the character and whatnot. And I'm like, okay, but it's, it's fun. I enjoy doing this. Mm-hmm. Like I'm trying to get to where a, a point where I can be like, um, like uh, what was his name? Uh, uh, there's, was it uh Dave Rubin? He does a lot of social talk, but he's got the Rubin report. But I kind of want to be able to have it at one point where this channel and you know my podcast grows to a point where I can actually have sit down in person talks and interviews with people. Like mm-hmm. that's that's one of my goals. And hopefully, hopefully that will happen. I know next week um or later on this week, I will be doing another podcast. I'll be doing one with Video Gamers Hawaii. Um so I'm really excited about that. And then I'm probably going to have to go on a hiatus because I'm having my wisdom teeth pulled. Ooh. And I have to do a business trip for work <laughs> two days later. <laughs> I'm not looking forward to that. But, yeah. Um, but, yeah, man, thank thank you for being on here. Um, hopefully we can get to 500 likes. Hopefully show them grow some more. But I know for a fact you will be hitting 200,000. Your channel is amazing. <laughs> Everyone who's watching, if you're watching, if you're listening, go subscribe to his channel. Link's down in the description below uh, for his YouTube and for his Twitter. And um, History Behind the Warrior, if there's anywhere else you want people to find you 
or if there's any projects you have up in the work, like hint, hint, wink, wink, Mortal Kombat 11, Soul Calibur 6, <laughs> let us know. The floor is yours. Oh, definitely. <laughs> uh, no, thank you again. It's been a massive pleasure coming on here. I've had a lot of fun, a lot, a lot of fun. Uh, definitely will love to come back on here again at some point. Um, if you wish to find me, type in on YouTube History Behind the Warrior. I cover a plethora of different fighting game characters, talking about their origins, their backstories, where do they come from, and why like, why are they there in a fighting game? So if you are interested in that, head over there. If you want to find me on my social media, it's casually going to check my name because I might have forgotten it. It is HB the Warrior on Twitter. So feel free to check me out on there. That's where I am. Uh, but yeah, if you're interested in any of my fighting game stuff, please head over there and take a gander. But uh, yeah, thank you to everyone who's watching and thank you for having me on your show. All right. Thank you. And for everyone who's watching and listening, thank y'all for coming through and we will catch you in the next one.